Tap, tap. Officially, no. We'll see. We'll Unofficially. We'll find out. Stay tuned. There's okay, going to There's gonna be two minyanim tomorrow. Today. Uh, someone's come say, is a shaliach in uh, just north of New York City, so he comes every year to say Kaddish. So um, he... Um, He'll be here, so we, we need two minyanim. I hope there'll be enough people floating around that we'll have two minyanim. Okay. Va'inyan. Um, is that right? I'm sorry. Uh, no, sorry. We're on none base. All right, we're on none base. We got, we got down to the period, right? Right? Let's start from Adam Yochalargi, should say, sorry. Debbie just explained that the experience of existence mm-hmm. is really an experience of shame havaya. And so when we experience our own existence, when we're margish, that we're alive, so what do we mean margish? We're margish shame havaya. Aye, but it's behelim. It's concealed because it's clothed in shame elokim. And we might not be sensitive to that. So let's start from, from, from Adam, which is uh, only six lines down. Va'adam yochel lahargish zos. And a person can feel this. A person can be sensitive to this. When he thinks about it, it's found. The concealment of Shem Elokim isn't true concealment. But rather, the opposite is true. What does Shem Elokim ultimately bring about? It brings and reveals or light, existence, godly energy, but on a lower level. Hainu, what's that lower level? In limited creature creations. That aren't commensurate to the light of Shemavaya. In other words, those creatures couldn't possibly be in a state of existence were there a complete unadulterated revelation of Shemavaya. Because then there would be only an expression of infinite reality. Right, were it the the or shame avaya yair b'hem were that to illuminate in them gamkena or avaya vehine kameshin is barliul. This is, I think, the last line we cite. Is that right? Kameshin is barliul, like we said, because we went back to the mushal. The mashpia makabel in the mushal of the mashpia and the makabel. Shem makabel yuchol lave gamkena laemik pnimis veatzmus chokmos arav that the student can ultimately come to the deep, true, inner meaning, essential meaning of the Chochm of the Rav, because it's all revealed in that which the Rav is teaching. Vahu, right? and when is that? That after 40 years, he can indeed stand on the Das of his Rav. In other words, he can fully understand what it is that his Rav taught him, even though it was 40 years ago, and it took him a very long time to internalize it and fully understand it and learn other things that helped augment his understanding, etc., etc. Kamechen, similarly, back to the Nimshal. Yuvan Benimshal, Gamkein. Tibbe in truth, 
Yochel kol echad ve'echad, every single person can come, lavoi, lebechines gilui or penimius ve'atzmius or the ainsoif the shame havaya. A person can come to an, ex- an appreciation of shame havaya, sheyar begilui benafshe, that it should, re- it should shine in a revealed way in his soul. Oh, that's what we got to guess. Okay, v'hainu. How? V'hainu al yedei avidosay. It's through his aveda. It's to fight through the smoke screen of Shem Elokim. Be'yegiyah, through hard work. Be'yegiyah's nefesh, through the hard work of trying to bring about a revelation of his nefesh Elokis in his conscious being. Be'yegiyah's basar. And through the hard work of flesh. What does that mean? Lahasir elomish, to deal with physicality from a position of strength and not allow physicality to overcome him. Not be taken in by all the seduction of physical of physical pleasure, meaning of, to the extent that a person is completely ibrigegeben to everything he wants in physicality, even within the context of mutter, right? But he's just completely interested in in all sorts of physical things and talks about it with geshmak v'chule v'chule. So then that dulls his senses. There's just no there's no question. So Yigiyas Nefesh, to reveal the Nefesh Elokis, and Yigiyas Basar, to diminish the power that Gashmias has over him. Lahasir too, and those, those two levels of Aveda, what do they accomplish? Lahasir Elomis Vestarim, to remove the concealments. That a person can be aware of Elokus in his life. And not just... Yes, this too. Obviously, what the Rebbe said to us in Memtes that, that that the person looks at the ground and understands the ground is a moshe for 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 malchus of Atzilus. Okay, also that. But what's the most powerful day-to-day expression of a person's power, uh, awareness of God in, in in his life and the fact that everything that's happening to him is elokus? It's called the shkocha pratos. Person realizes everything that's happening is is the Abishta. And he trusts the Ebishter. I mean, he's going to act differently. He's not going to try to force his will in every situation. He's going to do whatever it is that he has to do. And, and the Ebishter, whatever whatever the Ebishter wants, that's what's going to happen. He doesn't have to force something, you know, something, uh, the, the wrong key into the into the lock. The key fits. It fits if it doesn't fit. Okay, besides, so it's the wrong key. Okay, so now deal with that. Mm-hmm. Just saw a letter yesterday from the Rebbe. It's an unbelievable letter. The Rebbe is talking about the the most powerful expression of bitochen. Now, in the in the in the in the sicha that we, I believe we learned together, trachot vetzaingud, which is very very challenging sicha. So the Rebbe talks about the avoid of bitochen. Right? In that in that in that uh, in that letter to someone, the Rebbe says sometimes an even more powerful expression of bitochen is not to daven, not to say tehillim. Not to give tztaka, Rebbe says shtika, silence. Meaning the Ebrister will take care of it the way the Ebrister wants to. Just be quiet, see what happens. Because it's all in. It's all in. Yeah. Ah, you might try to force the issue. You force it. We do what we have to do, but the Lamaisa, it's all in. It doesn't take away our initiative and that doesn't take away the need for us to do a tremendous amount. But bottom line, it's all in. 
Ari Huba, then through that Aveda, Ari Huba, Lebechines, Gilui, Panimius, Va'atzmus, or the Einsef, he comes to a revelation of the inner essential reality of our Einsef. He's a person who experiences Elokus in his life. But experiencing Elokus does not mean bright lights and, 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 and shiny, whatever, you know, it, 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 don't turn God into something physical. Well, we've talked about it before, right? To some, some very powerful experience. Why, why, why does the revelation of God have to be a powerful experience? I mean, I'd imagine it's a powerful experience, but I mean, I mean it can be a very subtle experience. I mean, if, you, if you're standing next to Har Sinai and God reveals himself to you in the most obvious way in Gashmir, so that's, that's an incredibly powerful experience, and it might even be if you're like the rest of us, so then your soul left your body when you experienced that. You were just blown away. Okay, fine. There's that. But you and I experience, I mean, we can experience God in, in everyday reality. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's subtle. What? How so? How How this? Just be aware of the fact that the, the fact that you ran into that person at that moment is, 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 is God orchestrating events for, for you to take advantage of that, situ- of, of that opportunity to do whatever it is that you might be able to do in that opportunity. And if it happens to be that you're, you're driving on your way to teach the class, you're the big star, and you know all these amazing ideas, and phew, they're lining up at the door, they're paying money to come hear you talk, and away you go, and you're so holy, and you're so incredible, and you're going to reveal godliness to so many people and you're so excited about this opportunity and you know I'm just painting a, 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 a rather extreme picture of this guy he's not such a yesh, right but you're very excited about this opportunity and you're going to go and speak and, and for bring and, and bring people back to their source in Elokus because Yiddishkeit has been stolen from so many Jews of this generation you're going to be one of those people who can actually give them back a little bit of that Yiddishkeit that was stolen from them okay and away you go and you get a flat tire Okay. Oh no, I could have had such a powerful revelation of God by teaching these people all these incredible things and now what, I have to deal with a flat tire. There's less God in the flat tire than there is in saying this magnificent class that you've prepared for the last eight years. Same God. Where does, you thought that you were going to go meet God in the classroom. Maybe you're going to the class. You don't have to give it. Right? You're going to the class. Gonna go here, you're gonna go here, Rabbi Jacobs. Rabbi Jacobs is really good, right? And you're really looking forward to it because he's inspiring, and you know, you've seen him on YouTube, and now you're gonna see him, and it's like really inspiring, and you're excited. Good. Okay. And he's good, he's amazing. He's he's amazing. Okay. You're all excited. And that's your Aveda for tonight. You're very excited. And then there's a Fabreng and after with a bunch of people who went to the Shir that like Fabreng about the Shir, and you're gonna sit and Fabreng and drink kosher whiskey. Okay. Glenn livid with the blue. That you can always count on that one. The other ones, you never know. The one that came out last night was not recommended on the CRC list. With all the fanfare, shoulda known, right? The more fanfare, the more for sure it's coming from Kalipa. Was not recommended. You know, remember the story with with itch of uh, no no uh, Shmuel Monkus, mm-hmm. right? With the lung, right? The duck. It was a duck, whatever it was. Or something. Duck. Yeah, it was, so they all right. So it turned out it was trafe, right? Okay. Yeah, what, what was the story? 
a piece of meat came, and Shmuel Monkus was bringing it to the table, and he was dancing with it and draining around, and they were going crazy. Put it on the table, and they all wanted to eat it. These are, these are guys. They're Shmuel Monkus' friends. I mean, it's not like he hung out with uh, the riffraff of the town. So they, but they eating, but they wanted the meat. There was, there was some piece of meat. I don't think it was duck. Whatever it was, it doesn't matter. It was a piece of meat. So, so the. So he's draining around with it and draining around with it, and and uh, and somehow it ended up falling on the guy. They threw it out. Then the sheikh had ran in and said, that piece of meat, it's trafe, don't eat it. So they beat up Shmuelankas because of his Ruach HaKadosh. They put him on the table and they started beating him. He was playing games with Ruach HaKadosh and he shouldn't do things like that. That's for Rabbeim, not Hasidim. And they wanted to, but they asked him, he said, what, how did you know the meat was a problem? He said, I didn't know the meat was a problem. But when I saw how much taiva you guys had for the meat, I figured there must be something. That whole show over this bottle of whiskey, it turns out the bottle of whiskey was uh, not recommended. That doesn't mean it was trafe, but it was on the CRC list of really not recommended. What? Fancy one or the other one? No, the one that came out with the whole fanfare at the end. You know, pulling out of the bottle and going back. Oh, the one in the round container. Right, the round container. Yeah, yeah the Johnny Walker was Johnny Walker. Yeah, the 17 year old. Johnny Walker is not single malt. No one who's, you know, would even touch it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, the guys who's afraid of Zara is, they haven't quite done the Yagias Busser relative to whiskey yet. Okay. But no, it's the single malts that are the problem. The stuff that aged in the, cage, in the kegs and the, the casks. So the stuff that's aged, aged in casks of, of sherry and wine and all that. So that stuff, uh, according to many sources, is problematic. Because so, it's wine so, casks. So uh. you have to be careful. The one that is definitely okay. The Glenlivet with the blue stripe is okay for sure. Everybody says that one's okay. There's Glenlivets that are not okay. There's you know the, of the same whiskey. You know what's the most famous one that everybody drinks? on Red Label. No, no, no. Single malt, whatever. I forget. Oh. Doesn't matter. So, so there's the 15 year is okay, and the 17 year is not okay, and the 12 years. I mean, yeah, you really have to live. They're all different. They're all different. What? Glenfiddich, exactly. Right? That's one uh, that you see more often than just about anything, uh, right? So, uh, Glenfiddich and Glenlivet, those are the two most common. So, Glenlivet, definitely. The one with the blue is kosher, 100%. Right? The other ones, some yes, some no. You don't know. So, you have to look up every time you see a whiskey. You have to look it up. Right? So, that's what Hillel did last night. And this one said, not recommended. After all the fanfare, we didn't say anything. But I'm always supposed to, and that doesn't mean it's trafe, but meaning they're saying they... they think it's a better idea not to drink it than to drink it. Right? I, was, I was thinking of Shmuelmunkus and I saw this whole thing, you know. Right? Okay. So the Ashkocha practice of it all. Right? What's the, 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 the with This guy with his flat tire, what does he have to realize? Where did he think God was? He thought God was in the class he's going to. Where's God for him? Changing the flat tire of the simple. Singing Chassidah and changing the flat tire, there's as much God in that as there is in going to the class. Aye, it might not be as enjoyable. Can't share the experience with everybody. Okay, but that's his own yeshus, right? Well, I wanted to be able to share this experience and, you know, I had to share it with my friends and talk about it. Okay, that's nice. I do That's very nice. Friends are wonderful. They make the world go round. But, but... Right now, where's the Abishter for this guy? Okay, you thought that I was going to be in the class. I'm not in the class. I'm in the flat tire you just had. Change it to simple. 
Sing it again. Change it. Have a good time. Because that's where I am. If you can be besimcha right now, then you're revealing God now. If you're all upset, so then you so you just pushed me out of the world. You really think this is just stomach flat time? God can't make your tire not go flat? Of course he can. He do whatever he wants. Ah, he's so busy. Remember once a girl asked when she learned about Ashkoch, she said, well, I understand. How can God possibly do that for seven billion people all at the same time? He's got a huge computer and he can really do it. Like, you know, don't worry. There's no problem with these sort of things. It's true. It's beyond our understanding of how you could possibly do that. Okay, but say, that's the way it goes. And yes, he's interested in you. Meaning he'll take his non-time and use it, so to speak, in order to flatten your tire so that you have a new opportunity to relate to him different than the one you thought you were going to have. And you know what might happen? When you take out the spare, it might be flat. Oh, man. That's really a drag. So now what? Right? Literally a drag. That is really a drag, right? Okay, now what? Well, okay. Take the spare, get in a cab, go to a place that's going to fix the spare, get back in a cab. Right? Or you can just, you know, say Kaddish on one of your tires and drive it to the place right? and just shred it to bits and, you know, just okay, whatever, whatever you decide. Right? This happened to be going home from Yeshiva a couple of years ago. Driving, quite a few years ago. Driving home, so I was driving along Yafo and, and I got a flat tire, so I pulled into the side street and, and I changed the tire and the, the, the flat, the, the spare was flat. It was interesting. Bokrim kept walking by. Ashkenazi Bakrim and Svardi Bakrim. The Svardi Bakrim, almost every single one asked, Kvod HaRav, Efshar Lazar, can I help? Not one Ashkenazi Bakr asked me if he could help me. All the Svardi Shabakrim. Kvod HaRav, Efshar Lazar. I didn't need any help, I was doing fine, I was having a good time. I'm fine. But then put on the spare flat. So I just, yeah, I just said, okay, I'm going to be Makri of the spare, and I just drove. I knew there was a gas station not so far away. So, of course, everybody on the road, all the guys on the road are telling me that I have a flat tire. All the Israelis are telling me that I have a flat tire. Jews. The guy said, I got it. And I hear it. You know, that noise that it makes when you're completely destroying the tire and the rim and everything else. Right? And they say, beep, beep. Got it. But okay. So we made it. The Abish is there as much as anywhere else. That's that, that, oh, that, you know, that, remember that story in Admavadar? So that's the, the, the tree in the head. He's not there. He's everywhere but there. He's not in the flat tire. He's in the flat tire as much as he's in the Torah class. Just find him there. How do you find him there? Be simple. Then you found him. Get upset, you lost him. You pushed him away. He's not there. Someone does something to you that's really not proper. Okay. Mitzad them, very not proper. Mitzad you. Hmm. Why the Abish to put me in the way of that? Hmm. He's a creep, 100%, but that's his issue. Hmm. That doesn't mean you have to say, oh, thank you very much. Say, well, don't do that. 
But bottom line, if it happened to me, so then my response has to be, why did the Abish to put me in the way of that? Because that's what happened. Why was I there? Anybody could have been there. And the Rebbe is going to talk about that. Well, beer in you. Tzarek, in order to understand all this, Tzarek lahagdim, now the Rebbe starts talking about something that's so interesting. Changes gears. Even though it's not changing gears, it's just bringing it down, into, you know, the loftiest ideas down into everyday reality. It's exactly what we were just talking about. Beer inyan, Tzarek lahagdim, tchila inyan anisyenus. What's anisyen? A challenge. Those parts of life that don't work the way we'd like them to. And that's what it says. Kodesh Baruch Hu tries you. Kodesh Baruch Hu tries us. And if we'll stand in the trial. Why? Because the Ebishter is, 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 is sadistic and likes to see us suffer? No. He wants to see us grow. He wants to see us meet the challenge. But in order to meet a challenge, there has to be a challenge. Right? We've talked about it so often that, 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 that the, 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 you know, the American dream is to never have any challenge in life. If you can figure out how to play your cards right, you might never be challenged by anything. The first challenge that everybody decides they're going to give up their life in order to uh, avoid is financial challenges. Right? I will sacrifice everything in order not to be financially challenged. In other words, oh, you know, marriage, oh, that, that's like, that's, I mean, I think about that, you right? Anything, anything to do with, uh, you know, my, my own, my own growth, etc. I, I don't have time to think about it, I have to go make a living. Spend a year in yeshiva, oh my gosh, a year in yeshiva, you talk to kids on college, come you're in yeshiva, rabbi, you're doing it. I have to, I have to intern this summer. If I don't intern, then I'm behind. The, I'm behind. What are you behind? Right? Biggest Nisoyan out there, trying to make a living. What do people think? It has nothing to do with God. Well, that's not true. It's all to do with God. Right? So sitting and learning Torah for a few years is not going to diminish your ability to make an income. Same God who gave you an income without taking time off can give you an income with taking time off from the you know the the, the treadmill that I'm supposed to stay on. A lot of pressure to stay on it. Why? Not a lot of bitachin out there. Not a lot of trust in God out there. And the further we move away from it, the more people are less trustworthy. So the more they're just completely hung up on making sure that I'm just part of that maslul, that you know path. I just have to stay. Don't 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 go off. The guy next to you is going to get an internship and he's going to get his foot in the door in that company and you're going to look for a job and the, those, the, all those jobs are going to be gone because the, all those kids had internships and you went and wasted your time and learned Torah in Jerusalem, you dummy. That's what kids hear. Why? Well, the person saying it is a wonderful person who really has their best interests at heart. But they don't believe in God. And they don't believe that there's something bigger out there. And they really, of course they have the person's best interest at heart. And what do they want? They don't want them to ever have a financial challenge. Perfectly reasonable. Financial challenges are a pain in the neck. Right? They're not so much fun. Right? It's not much fun when the bank calls you and tells you they bounced a check. It's really annoying. Now what do I do? Okay. It's very annoying. 
you know, when uh, there's evidently a true story with one of the Rockefellers that uh, he got a call from the bank, and the bank said, Mr. Rockefeller, you, you wrote a check and there's no coverage for the check. So he said, what, what does that mean? He said, usually, he said, that means I took out more money than I put in? He said, yes. So Rockefeller said, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I assume this was the general manager of the bank calling him, right? It's not like some paquita is calling Rockefeller. So he said, usually I put in more money than I take out. Is that not true? He said, yes, sir. Do I call you? That's what he said. Do I call you? So he said, no, sir. Okay. So it's fine. We'll take care of it. <laughs> I guess if you're Rockefeller, you can say that. Most of us can't say that. <laughs> Rabbi Kudin once said that when you own the bank, when you owe the bank fifty thousand dollars, they've really got you. They've really got you over a barrel. I mean, they've got a lot of control over you in terms of what you can do. He said when you owe them a million dollars, you've got them because <laughs> they will not let you fall. Because <laughs> if they you fall, that that's gone. They want to make sure that you're still hanging in there. So maybe they'll get their million dollars back. <laughs> That's what he said. He got up to, I think, 11. Right? <laughs> right? I think it was $11 million in the 70s. And then what happened? Some lady who he had met once, twice, barely knew the lady, passed away, and left Chabad of California $18 million. Was in court for years because the kids said that she was senile and blah, 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 but they wanted. And what what did they end up winning in the court case? Exactly the amount of money of the overdraft, the minus. It was like eleven or twelve million dollars. We won. Paid off the minus and started working on a new one. Uh, right? they, they paid off what? How much did they get? It was like 10 or 12 million dollars. They, they got they, they got them. Not that that's the way to run finances. That's not how the Rebbe wants Chabad houses to run. But, but you know. But there's an Isaiah and tra- 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 challenges. So the Rebbe asks, What is the supernal intention in these trials and tribulations that we experience here in Elam Haza when things don't go our way? In another place in Mavur, it's understood, it's explained. I should really leave it on because it might be the only way to keep everybody awake, but it looks like you're all frozen over there. To call Tachlis, you read this in the Shama Baguf, that the whole purpose, look what the Rebbe says here. This is a Hasidish Rebbe. This isn't, uh, you know, some Baal Musa who gets a kick out of people suffering. To call Tachlis, you read this in the Shama, the whole purpose of the descent of the Neshama, Baguf in a body, you read the Gedeil. This is a very serious descent. Before its descent into the body, it was standing in the upper worlds. Lower These are beautiful places. As is known from the, the Mishnah in Basa, from where did you come? Which level does your Neshama come from? And up there, what was that going on? I said, Masegis Elukus. He, 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 he comprehended godliness on a certain level. Va'amda, and he stood, the Neshama stood in a, in a state of Ava and Yira, tremendous love and fear. Uba Bechinas Bittel Belukus. 
and completely nullified the Elokus, Kamesh Kosov, Chai Havaya. He's alive, Havaya. Asher Amadati Lefanov. That I was standing in front of him. And what does it mean to stand? The Rebbe explains. The notion of standing in a metaphysical sense, above, meaning in, in metaphysical reality. It doesn't mean standing and sitting in a physical sense, because there's no physicality. What does a mida mean? When you're in front of a king, what do you do? You stand or you sit? You stand. Why? Sign a bittel. So a me, when it says our neshama is standing in front of the Abishta, what does it mean? It's in a state of bittel in front of the Abishta. When he's standing or sitting, standing or sitting doesn't exist there. So what's metaphysical standing? State of bittel. Metaphysical sitting, so to speak. Who's the only one who could sit in the Azara? Is the, a Melech, Mibes David, could sit in the Azara. No one else could sit there. Right? David or Melech could sit there. No one else. Right? Even Kohanim. Okay. Because sitting is a, is a sign of, not so much lack of bitl in a negative way relative to David or Melech, but it's a sign of greatness to the extent that everybody else is standing and you're sitting. Okay, so he's standing in a state of bittel in front of the, the, the glory of a Kaddish Baruch that's revealed up there. The yard and what happened to this neshama? So this neshama is in this incredibly beautiful place. The yard and it descended through all different levels into this world that it's distant from the Ur of Hashem I mean you revealed light certainly doesn't comprehend godliness as it comprehended above because after all down here by definition everything's going to have to be understood through the prism of physical reality this godly light as it illuminates and shines in the lower worlds so what have we learned about that light so this is a person who's gone, so to speak, in terms of the, you know, back to the marshal of the Mashpi and the Makabal. So he's gone from a class in the, the most sophisticated ideas imaginable and now descended down into a class where he has to learn one plus one is two in terms of, you know, intellectual revelation. So that's the, that's, that's the level of godly revelation down here, very basic. It's all there. One plus one is, and is two is, is, is to the... To the to the physicist as as powerful a statement as the most incredible physics he could possibly ever explain to you because he understands that one plus one is two is really an expression of all of that. Okay, fine, but it's still one plus one is two is still something that you know simple people can understand. So he's down there in the world of one plus one is two. Incredible tzimtzum and helim. Bechinus, a level of ha'ara da ha'ara chitzenius levad, an illumination of an illumination that itself is only external. Describing the descent of the neshama from where it comes from to where it ends up down here in Elam Hazar. Ba'af gamzeis, and even that descent, ba'ba bechinus hagshama, right, and now, even in the context of that concealment, so now it's not just that there's a, there's a descent, there's a whole qualitative change in the way that reality expresses itself. Because now reality expresses itself in Gashmias, in material, physical reality. 
Va'ainu, so therefore any con- any comprehension of godliness that the neshama might be able to achieve down here in Eilam Hazar, Ha'ainu ha'sogu migushemes. It's a it's a it's a, a, a comprehension that is ultimately materialistic in nature, physical. So you and I will have to talk about a, a Kaddish Baruch in terms of or and Kaelic, light vessels, all that. Right? Okay. We still get places, but the neshama. I would assume the neshama above doesn't have to use such terms, right? The neshama above can has you know, a different language to describe elokus because it experiences reality in a completely different way. Right? I don't know what that language is, right? That works. But if two neshamas are for bringing in elam abriya, I'd imagine they don't have to worry about Aris and Kalin. He's going like that. that. You and I, it's all Eris and Kalim, it's all Migusham. In the Gashmis, you still come to an incredible understanding. It's amazing, but Migusham. We talk about higher and lower. <laughs> higher, lower. There's higher and lower in Elokus. Well, yeah, sort of. Before, after. Before, after. What's before? What's after? Time. What does that look like? Even though up there there's such a state, there's before and after, it's higher and lower. But in metaphysical, in a metaphysical way, whatever that looks like. and that's the, the, this this gashmistic understanding that we can come to with our physical brains down here in Elam Haza, as sophisticated as it is. This isn't commensurate at all to spiritual comprehension. Ha'or eloki, this level of comprehension of godly light, she see that a person would 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 achieve and in, in in, in, in appreciate and understand and comprehend in the in the in the upper worlds, and that's the whole notion of Ritzei Shev when the tzaddikim go up to a higher level and experience a certain level of revelations, so they have to come back down and somehow they have to explain it to us in language we'll understand. And we're talking about it in terms of nevuah. Right, so so the, the Navi usually has a hard time expressing that idea down here. So he'll express it in a mushal that, that that's that's a, a wild mushal, you know, pots and fires, and sorts of things. Okay, Mashrabeinu was able to explain it in an incredibly clear way. But even that, you have to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and find out what's really in there. It looks like okay, interesting stuff. It's God that. Seems to get angry a lot. Don't understand. You would not understand anything about what's really going on by just reading the written Torah. So much that you're going to miss. Because you're just seeing the superficial level of it all. Vahainu. Shahefrish Babes Devarim. The difference between these two things. Sha'or Eloki Sham. That the light. There, the godly light may or sham, I'm sorry, illuminates there, gilu or elyon a higher level of light. It also doesn't express itself in physical terms. It's spiritual. Lochain, therefore, therefore, the love and fear that the neshama experiences here below, is not commensurate as it was above, because the neshama above is experiencing such a powerful revelation of godliness. Explaining very clearly the path that the neshama takes to come into this world, 
What's the purpose of all that? Mitzad the neshama. Mitzad the that we know. He wants to deal with the Okay, so what, but mitzad us, what's the purpose of all that? Ve'oidzois, she'yarda liyos be'bechina sester panim, it descended into a place of concealment. Ve'heimen, what is this concealment? Ve'heimen, ha'lomers ve'stadim she'maylimim ve'mastirim al'oravayag du'shosoy. All those aspects of reality in this world which conceal and hide the light of a Kaddish Baruch Hu and His holiness. And in order to achieve any connection to that light, what has to happen? B'tzarek liyagea harbei has to expend a tremendous amount of effort until he comes to an appreciation of godly light. He has to learn about it and think about it and forbring about it and really, really work on, on finding strength in himself to overcome all sorts of external reality in order to connect to Pneumius, to connect to what's real and what's true and what's beautiful and healthy. All of this, when you read the G'day Lamed, there's an incredible descent for the Neshama. Why did the neshama go through all this? It's for the trials and tribulations that that neshama is going to undergo in Elam Hazem. That come to a person. Which are states of concealment. What's the nisayin? Nisayin, by definition, is a state of concealment. Meaning, if the godliness in that situation were obvious, then it wouldn't be an Isayan. It's not called an Isayan. The Abisha comes and tells me, look, I just want you to know that uh, you're going to be driving to the class and I'm going to come and flatten your tire and I want you to sing Arba Babas while you're changing the tire. That's what's happening, okay? So, go. So that's an Isayan. That'll be one of the most uplifting experiences you ever had in your life. You go like, wow, this is so cool. You'll, you'll like get in the car at 7 o'clock. You don't have to be there till till 9. You're in the car at 7 o'clock, like driving around in circles. When's the tire going to get flat? When's the tire going to get flat? And then at the end, what happens? No flat tire. Then God shows up and says, oh, that was the Nissan. <laughs> oh. Were you disappointed there was no flat tire? Or could you handle the fact that there was as much me in the non-flat tire as there was in the flat tire that you thought you were going to have, but you didn't have? Because he's just got us coming and going, this, this God of ours. That must be a crazy dream. <laughs> it's called real life. Hayinu kecholmin. It's goalless. It's a crazy dream. Bishvil nisyeinus. Shabayim ladam. Shame bebechines hester ponim. So now the Rebbe brings some examples of real Nisyanus. Not that, you know, I, I, I didn't get into the, the college I wanted to get into, which is, you know, it's a Nisyan, but I mean, there's different levels of, of Nisyanot. And, and most, Baruch Hashem, most of the Nisyanot we experience are just annoying, but they're not dangerous. Sometimes a Nisyan is dangerous. Right? Meaning it, 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 it's like real. It's not, you know, just something annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Remember having a conversation with this obviously non-Jewish person in the context of when I lost my wallet in wherever I lost it. I'm not sure. I mean, if I knew where I lost it, obviously I wouldn't have lost it. But somewhere between Turkey and Singapore. So, so uh, it, it didn't fall out of the plane. I just don't. I mean, when I got to Singapore, there was no wallet in my in my pocket. So, so. Um, 
it wasn't like I, I wasn't coming home. I was going to Australia. So I spent you know ten days there. No credit cards. No driver's license. No nothing. It was like an interesting experience. So so um, I was just schmoozing with some guy that I met there. As we were. So so. I said to him, "Well, yeah, it's very annoying." He said, "Oh, this is terrible." I said, well, you know, it, it's not dangerous. So he was like, "What?" So this isn't dangerous. Nothing happened to me. It's annoying. It's very annoying. But this isn't a dangerous situation. There are dangerous situations, right? When the health of someone is is is, is really in the balance, that's dangerous. This isn't dangerous. It's just it's annoying. So okay, beside it's annoying. So don't be annoyed. And then it went away. Right. What are you going to do? Right. It's not much you can do about it, right? So just, okay, so deal with it. What do you do? So when you, you, you go into, I mean, you know, Baruch Hashem, I got to sit in the lounge in, in Singapore. So I sat down in the lounge in Singapore, which is a nice, quiet place, and called my son in Tel Aviv and said, do me a favor, call up the credit cards and cancel them all. So he called up the credit card. Well, I was talking to him on the phone. He called up the credit with his wife's phone. He called up the credit card people and, and, and canceled them all and they had to hear my voice so he was holding the two phones together and I was, you know, it was a riot. Right? And, and so sure enough, there I am sitting in Singapore and he's in Tel Aviv and he's talking to these people on, in, in, the, in the credit card company and they canceled all my credit cards and said, okay, well, we, they didn't cancel them. I said, well, one day we'll suspend them and then if you don't call us that you found them, then they're done. And then we will send you new ones. When I arrived home from Australia, I had new credit cards in my house. All I had to do was call up, and with five minutes later, I had credit cards, and I was on my way. Driver's license, my, one of my kids called up in the driver's place while I was away, called up the driver's license place, said my father lost his driver's license. said, okay, we'll send him a new one in the mail. It'll be up to a month. So she said, well, can he drive without it? He said, no problem. You can drive. In this country, you're allowed to drive without a driver's license. You need some sort of ID, but, they, you know... They don't need your driver's license, right, with computers, right? They know who you are, right? And if you have one or you don't have one, it's like the old days, you have the piece of paper, and if there's no piece of paper, you don't have a driver's license. It's all in the computers. So they, you give them your two dots, and they say, yes, he's got a good driver's license. No problem. It's normal. So you don't have to drive. You have to have some ID. So my, so, so my daughter asked him, said, well, he also lost his two dots, right? you know, the identity card. So they said, well, does he have a passport? He says, yes, an Israeli passport. Yes, okay, that's good so for a day, I drove around with an Israeli passport. It was supposed to come a month later. It came a week later. A day after I arrived, there was a, there was a driver's license in the, in the uh, which also now expires later, right? So I don't have to go back to renew it for, right? So the, how terrible was all this? The worst thing, three Rebbe dollars. That's the worst thing. They're, you know, hopefully in their merit, it'll show up again. But did anything dangerous happen? No. Annoying? Very. Couldn't rent a car when I was in Australia, right? I mean, the plan was to get out of the airplane and get into a rental car and have another car around. Wouldn't okay? Say that. So it saved me a hundred dollars. Right. What are you gonna do? Right. So that part of the Nisayan, how annoying it is. Well, that's completely subjective. There are some Nisayanists that are objectively difficult. And it doesn't just have to be danger. It can be something that's an objective difficulty in life. If it's the health of someone else as opposed to my own health. Someone I love. So that, that's, that's real. Losing something is not real. I mean, okay, Mercedes, you lost it. But nothing's going to happen. Relative to your own health, 
You're also supposed to be able to overcome it all relative to someone else's health. That's hard. All right, so let's see what the Rebbe says. There's this incredible descent of the neshama, and why? So the neshama will deal with the nisoyin, because what's a nisoyin? Before we see how the Rebbe explains it all, so get it. What's a nisoyin? A nisoyin is a state of even greater concealment. That's a nisoyin. Where things are even more concealed than normal. Ailamazah, by we learned, Ailamazah, by, by definition, is a place of concealment. Ah, really, it's a place of revelation. Okay, Beseder, but in order for that revelation to happen, there has to be a certain level of concealment. Okay. What if the Abishter turns up the concealment even more? That's called an Isaiah. That's what you and I call a challenge. I really can't find them here. There are places where we can't find them. Where the Rebbe says, don't look there, because you won't find them. What happened to the Jewish people 70 years ago in Europe is that. Don't look for him there. You won't find him. He was there, but you're not going to find him there. Tzaddikim might have. I don't know. Your average Jew? That doesn't mean that they didn't keep, keep you know, whatever they could keep. If they got a little bit of oil, they would light the Hanukkiah. Right? If they found a shafer, they'd... Right? Someone told me an amazing story. Simon Wiesenthal, when he got out. So... Someone asked him if he wanted to put on tefillin. He said, no, I don't put on tefillin anymore. I said, why not? He said, because someone got tefillin into the camp I was in. Somehow smuggled in tefillin with incredible mysterious nefesh. And then what did this person do? He was putting tefillin on people, but he was putting on tefillin only if they gave him their daily ration of bread. So this guy was taking bread away from other Yidden so that they could put on tefillin. And since then I said, I'm not putting on tefillin, since that guy did such a horrible thing. So the person he was talking to said, you're an idiot. He said, why am I an idiot? He said, you're right, that person's a lowlife. What about all those other Jews who are willing to give up their daily bread to put on tefillin once? Why don't you look at them and understand what a Jew's really all about? You're looking at one guy. There are another hundred people who gave up their daily food to put on tefillin. Why don't you look at them and understand what a Jew is and what tefillin is? Put on tefillin. It's all the way you look at it, right? He saw one guy who was a creep. Right? Taking food away from Yiddin so they put on tefillin. This guy was not a Lubavitcher doing Mitzoy, right? That's not what was happening. Okay. Now, unbelievable, mysterious nefesh to get the tefillin in, but what's so astounding, all those other Yidden, they were willing to give up their daily bread. They wouldn't eat that day. How much bread did they have, Bechlau? Right? To put on tefillin. Sometimes they do give us shots. What? Sometimes they do give us shots at the bars or the restaurants. Ah, okay. Excited. Like what? When a person has real health problems. Or manias or real financial problems. Not that he can't buy a new car this year. Real financial problems. Pasha doesn't know where the next meal is coming from. 
In order to what hide al ur v'chayasavayu kedushasay, to hide the light and vitality of Hakadosh Baruch and His holiness, because this person is dealing with a real, a real trial. This is not, this is not something simple. It's not something made up. Uliyos meneya mibayus mechutz, and therefore there's some sort of meneya is, uh, is something preventing something from happening. From inside and outside, lamisha bav regarding someone who's coming liskadev lavaya bavidose in his service betfila v'tero, something that's really getting in the way of this person's ability to daven and to learn, whether it's health issues chas v'sholem or financial issues chas v'sholem, but real financial issues. Not that this month he's going to have to, you know, buy a little less, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the trafe whiskey. <laughs> but that, like, he's really going to, really doesn't know how he's going to finish the month. Pasha has to have a lot of bitachon that somehow things are going to work out because he's not sure, Alpi Teva, how it's going to work out. He's really not sure. Right now it's okay, but in another week, he's not sure. Okay, that, and that's not so much, that's not so easy to deal with, and that's not something that therefore allows him to walk into shul and sit down and daven calmly. Okay, that's, his, that's the Nisayan, exactly that. That he still has to walk into shul and daven calmly. That's a real Nisayan, that's not so easy. He's got real, real issues he's trying to deal with. He still has to daven. And it's really standing in the way. And when he stands in this Nisayan, he sits and he goes and he davens and he puts it off to the side and realizes that right now I can't do anything about it and right now I have a particular uh, opportunity, I have an obligation and I also have an opportunity to talk to a Kaddish Baruch Hu and, 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 and daven chakras, so that's what I have to do right now. And somehow that's pushed off to the side. Is he going to deal with it in an hour? He'll deal with it in an hour. Got a really, really uncomfortable phone call with a bank at 10 o'clock this morning. Okay. But at 8.30, he still has to daven like a mensch. If he's thinking about the phone call when he's davening, so he failed in the Nisoyim. Is he a bad guy? He's not a bad guy. But he had a Nisoyim and he didn't pass that one. There's no bank at 8.30 in the morning. What is there? That's the only thing that exists at 8.30 in the morning. Doesn't mean there's not going to be a bank at 10. There's a bank at 10, but there's no reason to make the bank exist at 8.30. The bank is closed. That's an Isayan. That's real. And that he should stand in this trial against all opposition and all powers of confusion and just the things that prevent him from doing that. Bishvil Zeh, for that purpose, Hayatachli Siyaridah Shel Neshom. Adarab. If he can daven that chakras properly, that chakras might be the best chakras he ever davened in his life. Ah, he thought the one where things were going great and he was so excited and he was so uplifted and he had such an incredible uplifted feeling in chakras. Okay, Nice. The Abish liked that one. Right. But the Abish evidently said, you know what? There's more inside there. Let's see if we can squeeze it out. Sometimes he squeezes it out. We don't want him to. We ask him not to put us in these situations. 
Say it every day in Davening. One of the first things you say every morning is, Loyli de Nisayan. We don't want a Nisayan. But if something shows up, then what? Then we deal with it. Echshu. Shal Yedezeh, through dealing with this, Ba'alagilui ar Elyon Yesu. He comes to an even more powerful light. See two more lines, then we'll stop, and we'll. Uh, oh, I don't know when we'll pick up. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, you know, maybe we'll find some time. Um, the Rebbe explains the Indian of Nisayan and then answers all the questions that he asked at the beginning of the Um We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll meet, and you know, if, if people want to, we'll just have an optional shear at like two thirty to three in lunch or something. For until we finish next month because some of you aren't going to be in the class and I don't want to just start here because if there's new people in the class it's not really fair to sort of start here it's not, if there aren't any new people in the class we'll just finish it in class we'll see the Rebbe says the first kind you have to understand why through this specifically why do we come to a higher level okay so the God said it the Rebbe said it Rebbe just said it's an Oriel Yonyes. Okay, good, fine. I believe you. Well, this, but that's not Chabad Chassidus. Right? Why is it an Oriel Yonyes? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Now, intuitively, we do all understand that the people we know who have dealt with difficulties in life and come out the other side are. special relative to everybody else. That we know. We've all experienced that in people. People have had to deal with something difficult. Tend to be stronger, more real people. They're just forced to be. I mean, they had no choice. They could either crumble or make it through whatever they had to make it through. Okay, so that, that we've seen, but it's, it's okay, but what's the, what's the, how does that work? What's the dynamic of all of that? Oh, they have to find deeper, okay, but to find deeper, what, how? Where? Why? Why, why? why is that the way it works? So Rebbe's going to explain it in terms of Avaya and Elohim. Because where's the Nisayan coming from? Obviously, Shem Avaya. What's the, what's the Shem Elohim? What's, the, what's the, the, the successful dealing with that Nisayan is going to be a revelation of an even more powerful expression of Shem Avaya. That's the simple equation. Okay, how's it work? Let's just see that the Rebbe begin to answer, then we'll stop and we'll pick it up at some point. Again, we might start at Tuesday morning if there's no one in this class who hasn't been in this class, even though there might be some people who are leaving the class, but if it's just, so then we'll just go weiter. But I don't know who's going to be in the class. I assume there'll be some people who came for the summer. That's usually the way it is. What's a Nisoyen? A true Nisayan is when there's concealment of truth. What does that mean? So that's what we said earlier. If he knew the truth, as it is. Meaning, if a person could see the Elokus in this event absolutely clearly and in the most revealed way, Loyab is an Isoyan club. It's not an Isoyan. 
It, I mean, it might be, you know, it might be a difficult situation. It might be an uncomfortable situation, but it's not an isoyan. Why? Because he sees clearly that how the Abishter is orchestrating this event in order to come to a particular resolution of it all. So then that's not an Isayan. It's not an Isayan to have an operation on your knee so your cartilage, which was, which was torn, will now not be torn. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's not an Isayan. You know exactly why you're doing this. Right? And so if they tell you you can do it a week early, you're more than happy. They tell you, look, we're going to have to operate. All right, okay. Thanks, Doc. Fine. But don't worry. You're experiencing pain? After some rehabilitation, yeah, we'll do the operation, a little bit of rehabilitation, and you'll be good as new, and you'll be, uh, you know, back on the court. Oh, thanks, Doc. Okay, fine. So, you know, at first the guy's a little, dis- you know, I mean, if he says, why me? So then, okay, he's failed, and he'd, you know, just bury him. But if he's not a why me person, which is hopefully anybody mature, right? Says okay, for this is like just reality, and that's the way it is. And so I'm gonna so 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 they say okay, we're gonna it's going to hurt, and, and we can we can do it in two weeks. And then they call him up and they say we can do it in one week. He's very happy. Oh, good! I get to go through all that pain and all that discomfort a week earlier. Oh, that's great! What are you nuts? No, he knows exactly why he has to go through all that pain and discomfort. He has no problem with it. He's more than, he's, do it today, Doc. I'm willing to go. Give me two days after, like, you know, take care of some stuff, and I'm willing to go. Just let's go. Let's get it done. But you're going to be in pain. Yeah, I know. It's going to be discomfort. I know. You're going to be walking around on crutches for a week. I know. No problem. Let's go. I'm in. Why? Absolutely clear that in X amount of time, he'll be good as new. No problem. That's not an Isayan. It's, it's annoying, but it's not an Isayan. Hmm? Very interesting question. The Rebbe is going to discuss Avram Avinu. That's that's what we're going to see next. Avram Avinu in the furnace. Nimrod threw him into a furnace. What did Avram Avinu assume when he was thrown in that furnace? That he was no. That he was going to be burnt up because that's what happens in furnaces, right? If Avram Avinu knew. That God was going to do a miracle and he was going to dance around in there singing our bababas. So that's not any sign. What's the any sign? What could be cooler than being thrown into a fire and not feeling the heat and dancing around in there? That would be really cool. But Abu Ravina didn't think that's what was going to What did Abu Ravina think? That he was going to be my son? That for sure. I mean, he understood, okay, I'm going to have to give up my life for God and that's what I'll do. In other words, he was able to see the shame of in all of this concealment. Because there's a lot of questions. I don't understand. You want me to be the person who's going to bring godliness to the whole world, and now you're, going to, now you're barbecuing me? I mean, this doesn't make sense. So too with Yitzhak. I, wait a minute, I finally have a kid, and now we're going to kill him? If Avram knows they're not, that he's not killing Yitzhak, so what's the, what's the Nisayim? Even that, Hasidus asks, God said, kill Yitzchak. So what's the Nisayim? God appears to you and tells you to do something really hard. God just appeared to me. What's the Nisayim? I don't understand. Like, why is this a Nisayim? Oh, what's the answer? We did it basimcha. That was the Nisayim. 
to do it? I mean, I understand. God says go, so of course you do it. I mean, God just appeared. You, you know, it's not like you think maybe it was God, maybe it was your Aunt Millie who came back in the form of God. It's God. You know that. Right? It's mamish. God just said, deep voice, I assume, Avram, do this. Oh, that's hard. Okay, I've said it. I've got to do it. It's God. What's the big deal? Do it. Basimcha, when it contradicts every aspect of your understanding of reality completely and totally mm-hmm. and not just killing your son you're an ish chesed and this is an act of unbelievable everything is completely counterintuitive completely on every level okay well I'll do it why God says it nope right? we both went together Avram Simcha was the same as Yitzhak, even though Yitzhak didn't know. It says that twice in the story, right? You say it every day. It says it twice. They both went together. It says in Tupsukim, one after the other. So why, why is it? I mean, I know that. You, you just told me that. So the first passage is before Yitzhak knows. Avram is walking with the same Simcha as Yitzhak. Even though Avram knows what's going to happen, and Yitzhak doesn't. Then Yitzhak asks his father, like where's going to be? And Avram says, don't worry, the Abraham is going to give us the say, that the Eila will be Bani. You're the Eila, you're the Korban. And Yitzhak walked with exactly the same Simcha as his father, even though he now knew that he was the Korban. That was the Nisai. That's a really amazing. I mean, you think about it, right? God says, do something. Well, I mean, you don't have to be Avram Avinu. <laughs> I mean, of course, if I know it's God, I'm going to do it. What's the, what's the big deal? Simcha? It's completely and totally counterintuitive to every fiber of your being and everything you understand about your Veda and Elamaz. Everything. But that's why. And away he went. Wow. Wow, that's a Nisayan. And that's a pretty serious passing of a Nisayan. That one made the Torah. The one we're going to learn about didn't even make the Torah. It didn't make Torah Shabbat. It made Torah Shabbat. Right? We know about all these Nisayan. That one even made Torah Shabbat. You and I read it every single day. Is that why his Nisayan had to be so difficult, though? Because he lost his wallet. Exactly. For Avinu losing his wallet is not a big deal. <laughs> even we can handle that one. I'd like those Rebbe dollars back, I must say. Because, you know, whoever found the wallet probably just, you know, either he bought a beer with them or he threw them out. I mean, who knows what he did. The Israeli money, whatever, I'm sure he threw out. That's Monopoly money. It's not so useful if you're not playing the game. But uh, there might have been a check in there. I'm not sure. Dude, that's a hoot. There's a bit of a noise just because then you have to go to Misrata Panim. It's the only place I have to go. Oh, and a new Rav Cup. I have to get a new Rav Cup. That was 20 minutes in line. Shoot.